This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you're joining us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. With that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive edition of Equip. Today, we're going to take up the question of religious freedom. Is it possible for sexual freedom and religious freedom to coexist? In particular, we're going to look at the Respect for Marriage Act and ask the question, does the Respect for Marriage Act threaten our religious liberties? But before we get into that topic and so much more, I want to say thank you to our entire team and uh, friends who uh, poured out enormous uh, uh, birthday wishes and encouragement. Yesterday, I received an overwhelming amount of uh, words of uh, encouragement and love uh, for my birthday, and I was uh, tremendously grateful for that. Celebrated uh, my birthday yesterday, and uh, maybe the highest compliment that I received yesterday came from my seven-year-old daughter who told me that I was the bacon of dads. Now, I just want you to know that for me, there is no higher compliment than to be known as the bacon of dads. I don't know what I did to deserve such high praise, but I'm going to try my best to make sure that I do nothing to lose that title as the bacon of dads. That was my little Sophia who shared that with me, but it was a tremendous encouragement. But thank you. As I look at uh, chapter number 46 in my life, I am tremendously grateful. And one of the things that I'm most grateful for is the daily opportunity I have to serve you on this program. I count it a joy to uh, every day join you behind this microphone to talk about those things that are most important in our culture and our faith as they intersect with one another. And so often the intersection is tremendously clear. And what I want to do every day is to serve you, not by providing more heat for fodder. As I've always said, I want to make sure that this program provides more light than heat. I want to make sure that we are doing everything we can, however, to equip you to live, share, and defend your faith, to think critically, to live compassionately so that we can bear faithful witness to Jesus Christ in our generation. And so for that, I am grateful. I do invite you to join us as a partner, as a friend. If you've not done so, as we approach the end of yet another year, and you think about your year-end tax-deductible giving, I would pray that we would find a place in the midst of your plan, that you would consider uh, this ministry a worthy place for your investment. Always first priority is your local church. But beyond that, I would ask that you would consider supporting the program. And you know, one of the things that I love about the body of Christ, about believers, is the impact that we are able to have through our generosity. I was recently sent an article by one of uh, my staff members uh, at my local church, and uh, he shared with me uh, a really great report done by Barner Research. 
uh, that says Christian philanthropy accounted for 70% of all American philanthropy in uh, 2022. So far, over $300 billion in total has been given out by Christians. Praise God that we're still known for our generosity. And I pray that today as you think about ways, large or small, that you can be generous, that you would consider your highest priority investing in the gospel. You know, we're in a cultural war. We're, we're in a spiritual battle. And I am convinced that the, the, uh, the, the army that is best funded uh, often wins. That is the way it goes in a military battle. And when you talk about the spiritual battle we're in for the soul of, of, of the next generation, who's going to sit on the front lines declaring that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible is the word of God, encouraging moms and dads to be the parents that God has called us to be and to make sure that we are spreading the good news of God's grace to the next generation and answering the tough questions? That's what I hope you know this ministry is here to do. So please call today, 888-644-4144. If you want to partner with us, 888-644-4144. Well, yesterday brought us the official end of the midterm election uh, cycle uh, with the conclusion of the Georgia Senate race between incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock and challenger Herschel Walker. By now, no doubt you know that Senator Warnock has been named as the projected winner. Uh, that election those, those, that election count will no doubt be certified uh, shortly in, in the days to come. So now the focus shifts to legislation. And uh, arguably the biggest piece of legislation that you and I need to be aware of in this uh, early season of uh, a new Senate, a new Congress, is the what's known as the Respect for Marriage Act. I don't know if you've been following this. The Respect for Marriage Act was recently passed by the Senate and is now being debated on the floor of the House and it has broad implications. And here's the question that I have for you today that I want to take up. Does the Respect for Marriage Act threaten our religious liberty? Or, or to put another way, and this is what I would love for you to weigh on, can sexual freedom, the way that our culture is currently defining it, sexual freedom without limits, sexual freedom that has to be affirmed no matter how outside the mainstream the sexual freedom, uh, can it coexist with religious freedom? Now, some will say, well, it always has, Chris. There's always been attention or various opinions uh, concerning right or wrong ethics in sexuality uh, and, and also relig religious liberty. And while historically there has been that debate, what I would argue is that we have never seen a time like now where sexual freedom is so broadly defined and so forcefully imposed upon those who have religious differences and, uh, and what it means about the ability we have to operate according to conscience and religious beliefs. I want to take your calls at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. That's 877 877- 548-3675, because I love to hear from you on this. The Respect for Marriage Act, if you have not been following it, 
It is a piece of legislation uh, that is designed to repeal what has been known as the Defensive Marriage Act that was passed in 1996 by Congress, signed into law by then-President Bill Clinton. Oh, how much things have changed. It was then-President Bill Clinton, along with Congress, that felt that as uh, the definition of marriage was being debated, that it was critical at the time to define marriage between a man and a woman. Again, it's important for us to understand the broader social implications around this. Why does the state care about legislating marriage at all? Well, for one reason and one reason only, it's because they recognize that the foundational base for stable economy are intact, healthy families that are procreating, that are having children, raising children, paying taxes. That's really the only reason why the state is interested in in marriage. They try to stay out of the religious aspects of it, and uh, but yet they want to make sure that the marriage and the family unit thereby are intact, are, in, are strong, so that there could be a viable tax base for the nation or for uh, municipalities. So in 1996, President Clinton and Congress signed what was then called DOMA or the Defensive Marriage Act. Now, the Congress, uh, at least the Senate so far, along with our current president and administration, wants to undo all of that. The Respect for Marriage Act, as it is called, does the exact opposite. It requires that the federal government recognize the validity of same-sex marriage in the United States. And and what it does is, again, it uh, overturns not only the Federal Defensive Marriage Act, but every state law that would say that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, in many ways, you might say, hey, isn't that a ship that's already sailed, Chris? Isn't that already uh, established? And I would argue in in a lot of ways, yes, it's already been established um, broadly by most uh, states and broadly within our country uh, that uh, same-sex marriage has been legalized. What this does is not only... Uh, it's not only a ceremonial act, but it also is an act that is specifically targeting First Amendment rights. It's an act that specifically targets whether or not you and I, as uh, as uh, believers uh, in, in God's word, have the ability to operate according to conscience or whether or not the government can impose upon us Uh, to act in violation of conscience. Now, what is very interesting about this bill is that um, a group, the group who has supported and championed this bill, this bipartisan group of senators who have supported and championed this bill, uh, have recently said this, that what they tried to do is craft, quote-unquote, common sense language to confirm that this legislation fully respects and protects Americans' religious liberties and diverse beliefs while leaving intact the core mission of the legislation to protect marriage equality. I want you to listen to those words, that what they attempted to pass was a bill that had, according to their language, common sense language to confirm that this legislation fully respects and protects a marriage, I'm sorry, Americans' religious liberties. 
Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the opposite of what this bill is designed to do. It's not designed to protect religious liberty. It's designed to protect a sexual revolution that at this point not only has uh, led to divorce and massive abortions and all of these uh, um, social outcomes and, re- and spiritual, spiritually detrimental outcomes, but now has advanced to teaching uh, transgenderism to our children at a really early age by indoctrination and pressure, creating an atmosphere for our kids at all stages uh, who are engaged, at least in the public school system, to feel uh, pressure to affirm even those things that our religious convictions would cause us to have to deny. Now, the clear contradiction between what uh, the senators say they were attempting to do, which was to create an environment in which religious freedom and sexual freedom could coexist, the clear contradiction of that was seen in the words of the White House press secretary. And I'm just going to play a little clip here from the White House press secretary, uh, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, and I want you to listen to this because she's responding to a question about a court case that the Supreme Court is currently hearing, which uh, is specifically about the tension between religious liberty and sexual liberty, religious freedom and sexual freedom. Listen to the words of White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. We recognize the the, uh, right to free speech, and we support ensuring that no one is discriminated against or refused services because of who they love and who they are. And so, as you know, we've been very clear about that. The administration believes that every person, no matter their sex, uh, race, religion, or who they love, should have the equal access to society, including access to products and services on the same terms as other members of public. Look. The Department of Justice said uh, in its brief that for decades, non-discrimination public accommodations laws have coexisted with the First Amendment. Uh, courts have recognized that we can recognize that we can require businesses of open to public to service people regardless of their backgrounds, even when that means businesses must incidentally um, uh, engage in speech which they are which they disagree upon. Now, these words are muddled in some ways, but very clear when you listen to what the White House press secretary just said on behalf of the administration, that the government can require businesses to engage incidentally with speech, which they disagree with. We're going to talk about this on the other side of the break. What's the implications of the Respect for Marriage Act, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act? Can religious freedom and sexual freedom coexist? That's the question of the day. I want to hear from you, 877-548-3675. What are the implications and how should we, as followers of Christ, respond? You might be surprised by the answer. 877-548-3675. We'll be right back.
The story of Jesus' birth is full of hope, promise, and wonder. But in today's culture, much of the miraculous Christmas story has been watered down or filled with pagan myths. So if you want to know the verifiable facts surrounding Jesus' birth, you'll want a copy of Is Christmas Unbelievable? by apologist Rebecca McLaughlin. Request your copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today, we're taking up the question, can religious freedom and sexual freedom as currently defined by our culture, can they coexist and how should Christians respond? Maybe the most important piece of legislation in the current hour that we face is what is being called the Respect for Marriage Act. It is something that current president, uh, President Biden, has uh, promised he would sign into law as soon as both the Senate and the House have voted to approve it. And in all likelihood, it is going to be passed. My question for you today is how should we respond uh, to uh, this reality? Uh, as I shared with you before, the White House press secretary said something that was very revealing. I'm going to, because I want you to really hear her words, I'm going to replay the statement that White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said concerning government's ability to require that businesses um, engage in speech that they disagree upon. Listen to this. We recognize the, uh, the uh, right to free speech, and we support ensuring that no one is discriminated against or refused services because of who they love and who they are. And so, as you know, we've been very clear about that. The administration believes that every person, no matter their sex, uh, race, religion, or who they love, should have the equal access to society, including access to products and services on the same terms as other members of public. Uh, look, the Department of Justice said uh, in its brief that for decades, non-discrimination public accom accommodations laws have coexisted with the First Amendment. Uh, courts have recognized that we can recognize that we can require businesses of, open to public to service people regardless of their backgrounds, even when that means businesses must incidentally um, uh, engage in speech which they are which they disagree upon. Even when that means that businesses must engage in speech which they disagree upon, friends, I don't want you to think that was an incidental statement. And even though. Uh, there was tacit approval given to freedom of speech. If you notice, the thrust of the White House press secretary's focus was on the protection of religious freedom. And it's because religious freedom has gone so far uh, beyond any bounds of definition and containment that it cannot really coexist with religious freedom. Let's talk about this. I want to go to John, who's listening in Florida. Hey, John, thank you so much for calling. What's your statement today, my friend? Uh, I just, I, I think that we can coexist with, uh, with all kinds of people, anybody who might disagree with us religiously. Um, uh, God sent Jesus down here to sh show us that it is our choice to follow him and he gave us the uh, the ability to choose right from wrong, and uh, sure. I just I think we're supposed to love one yeah. another, and and instead of making people follow God, we're supposed to show them how to okay. follow God. 
Yeah. Um, denying people seems like the opposite of that. Yeah. So first off, let me just first uh, say I, I appreciate you calling, you sharing. I 100% agree with you, but my question is different than what I believe you're responding to. Can we coexist with people who believe differently than us? The answer is yes. It must be yes. That's what Jesus has modeled for us. The question that I asked, though, was a legislative question, and that is, can religious freedom and sexual freedom, as our culture currently defines it, can those two currently exist with one another? And the reality is, is that what is consistently being shown is that our culture's commitment to unlimited sexual freedom necessarily requires uh, a compliance by religious people, and I'm going to say religious broadly, even though I know I'm speaking primarily to a Christian audience, by religious people that if that compliance is not there, there will be penalty and there will be punishment. Now, we're going to talk about how we should respond to that, but I think that uh, there is case after case uh, in uh, before the Supreme Court that establishes that this type of legislation is going to lead to penalty or punishment. But where I fully agree with you, John, is that our response in part has to be faithfulness to the Lord, loving our neighbors as ourselves, even those who disagree with us. And while on one hand, I agree, we cannot legislate morality. Um, On the other hand, what I will say is that all legislation is a is a uh, is a, an expression of moral conviction, and so we as Christians need to be able to, in a country like ours, governed the way that it is, let our voice be heard. While we recognize that laws cannot save a person, it certainly can prevent certain damage from being done. And I think the sexual revolution has gotten so far beyond its bounds, that there's tremendous damage that's being done, in particular to the next generation, our sons and our daughters. So yes, love people, maintain your conviction, but recognize where this is headed is in uh, the direction that the Bible predicts, where we will be persecuted because of our conviction and belief in the Word of God. I appreciate John calling 877-548-3675. What's your perspective? Can religious freedom and sexual freedom coexist. Here's what U.S. Senator Pat Tomey uh, from uh, Pennsylvania says about this particular piece of legislation. He says that uh, this legislation would enable activists to sue faith-based groups that provide vital services for our communities in an attempt to force them to abandon their deeply held beliefs about marriage or uh, close their doors that either you're going to have to shut down your business or you're going to have to comply. Now, you may say, that's extreme talk. Nobody's threatening that. Well, I got a case for you that's going to uh, show you that that's actually what's happening right now. But let's let's go away from, for a moment, uh, a politician. Let's listen to someone else. Cardinal Timothy Dolan, uh, who is the chairman of the Catholic Bishops Committee for Religious Liberty. He says this, 
This bill will be a new arrow in the quiver of those who wish to deny religious organizations liberty to freely express their religious duties, strip them of their tax exemption, or exclude them from full participation in public arenas. So there goes uh, Cardinal Dolan. You may say, okay, well, let's let's not just listen to those who have uh, religious beliefs. Okay, well, let me uh, quote then uh, an attorney for the Alliance Defending Freedom, Matt Sharp, who says this concerning uh, this law. He warns that this legislation could open Christians up to lawsuits at the federal level, noting that believers running businesses and charitable organizations could be at extreme risk. And then what about those who aren't Christians? Well, Rabbi Yaakov uh, Menken, he is the founder of Project Genesis, obviously a Jewish rabbi, managing director of the Coalition of Jewish Values. He says this, that this federal uh, law is explicitly declaring the Bible to be wrong. And also he notes that it allows the private actors uh, in uh, to initiate a lawsuit if a religious school wishes to recognize only traditional marriage. Again and again, what what seems to be clear here is that this is not a legislation of neutrality. Very few legislations or bills in our day are neutral. This is a declaration that those who believe in the Bible, you've gotten it wrong, and either you comply or there will be uh, punishment uh, doled out, that there will be consequences to pay. And you may say, well, Chris, again, all of that is extreme talk. Well, uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about uh, what the Supreme Court is hearing right now in a case that involves a website designer. Maybe you've heard the name Lori Smith before, or maybe you haven't, but Lori Smith is the new Jack Phillips. You may remember the cake designer, the Colorado baker, who refused to do um, a, uh, a cake for a same-sex wedding. Well, Lori Smith is a web designer, and now she is in the crossfires, trying to live in a world that is at odds in tension between sexual freedom and religious freedom. We'll talk about Lori Smith and her case on the other side of this break. Much more to come next up on Equip. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Grateful for you listening in today. If the program has been a blessing to you, I would ask today that you would consider standing with us as we quickly approach the end of the year. The reality of finishing strong is, is upon us, and the ability to finish strong financially sets us up to dream big um, in the future. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with us today. We're currently about $12,000 away from our year-end goal, our our 12-month goal, about $12,000 away from that. I would ask that you would just pray and ask the Lord if you would have you to partner with us at some level. Maybe today we can begin to um, eat away at that deficit. If we can get uh, 10 friends who could stand with us with a $100 gift, that would make a huge um, imprint on uh, our financial reality as we go uh, towards the end of this month. Some of you, the Lord has blessed you 
and you've been praying where to invest significantly a year-end gift, maybe a $5,000 or $10,000 gift, I pray that you would consider standing with us as we equip Christians to live, share, and defend their faith, to bear faithful witness to a culture that is rapidly changing around us as we uh, do our best to endeavor to uh, give you the ability to think critically and live compassionately. I never want to compromise those two virtues. They're not in conflict with one another. We can love deeply while at the same time holding to the truth of God's word. So if you believe that the word of God is still true, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, and more importantly, you believe that your community needs that message, can you stand with us today? Dial the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Again, 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. The midterm elections now behind us. The Georgia Senate race now concluded. The focus now turns towards legislation. And while we're not a political program, it's important that we're not blind to the implications of legislation on religious freedom or liberty, which, by the way, the Bible never promises that that our religious freedoms will be protected. We've been blessed in a uh, abnormal way when you compare it to history. It's been what's happened in America has been an anomaly in many ways where we as Christians have been able to freely gather and worship without much persecution and pushback. But I will say that that 200-plus year honeymoon between America and the Christian faith seems to have quickly and rapidly come to an end and what we're seeing now under the guise of religious, I'm, I'm sorry, sexual freedom is an attack on religious freedom. I bring that up not to enrage, not to produce bitterness, but awareness. And we're going to take up the question of what should we do in response. Let's go to Tony, who's listening in Chicago. Hey, Tony, thank you for listening, my friend. What's your comment? Okay. Um, thank you for your program, Chris. I just want to make a couple of comments. First of all, on the social level, um, I completed a read-through of the Communist Manifesto this year uh, for the first time and became clear to me that um, the uh, approach of communism has, um, has always been uh, to destroy any authority, authority figures or, or any authority that is set up in the, in the society. And following its destruction to replace it with uh, an, ag- an atheistic um, approach, which denies any, uh, any spiritual act, uh, perspective in, 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 in society. Number two, um, I have been very powerfully uh, made aware of some of the spiritual aspects that have been going on recently uh, in so many of the things that we're experiencing now, the craziness of the schools, as you point out, Yes. Um, and wondering what is it that's going so out of control. Um, I just completed also uh, the book, The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Cohen. Well, real quickly, let me, which, let, me jump in, let me jump in there because I think you've made a connection, uh, Tony, that I think is, is really important. This is not just legislation that, again, is neutral in saying that you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, Both of our beliefs are protected, and all we have to do is coexist in peace with one another. It's important 
uh, that we recognize what Tony just said. This is legislation that is a part of a broader movement that says, no, religious belief, if it disagrees with this tenet of our current cultural perspective on morality, if it disagrees that the Bible is wrong and that we're going to train children, in particular in the public school system, we're going to train children according to a secular school of ethics and not to be tolerant at all of a religious perspective here. There's not neutrality. And so it's important for us to understand that, and I appreciate Tony bringing it up. Let's go to Chris, who's listening in uh, Indiana, Carmel, Indiana. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment? Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, And just want to shout out to you and your program. I am an equipper, and I feel every day so I, but I really support your program and and uh, so glad I jumped on board <laughs> with that. But uh, anyway, what I wanted to share is that um, it, it's really like what you just said, basically. So I kind of have nothing new to say, but but just the irony that they talk about freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, forcing us to. Um, support, you know, I know you're probably addressing the Colorado case currently, um, you know, uh, forcing us to, to, you know, to support, um, practices sexually, um, or marriage wise that don't support our beliefs. Um, and, and yet, and yet they are simultaneously silencing our voice. And I feel like saying, I feel like I wish I was in the courtroom saying, you know, if you want to legislate this, it has to work both ways, folks. Yes, yes. <laughs> You can't yes. have your voice heard and us respect that and silence our voice, yes. you know. And I do believe with the first caller, I agree that we are to love and respect everyone from whatever their beliefs are. You know, I mean, Jesus modeled that. You know, he he went to the to the most broken there was. So... We're not here to, to be judge and jury. We are called to love all, but they, but, but they can't legislate just their voice. And- well, first off, Chris, well stated, well stated, and I, I want to thank you for being not only a partner with the ministry and Equipper, which we are uh, extremely grateful for, but I want to just thank you for the way that you fought through this. This is what my hope is at its highest level, friends, is the ability like Chris just did to say, yes, it is possible to love my neighbor, even when we see the world differently or have different beliefs. But I can also think critically and see exactly what's happening in our culture. And and, and this, my friends, is exactly what it means to watch as well as pray, which the Bible tells us to do, so that we can be ready for uh, the, the persecution that is promised in Scripture in the last days for believers. Now, what I'm going to do in just a moment is begin to talk about how we should respond. And that part might might surprise you in some ways. I'm not advocating that we grow in our hostility and, and anger. I'm actually going to advocate for the opposite. But let me just, again, further reinforce exactly what's going on here. While on the one hand, we're being told that this legislation will not at all disrupt religious freedom. 
We're being told that this legislation, according to CBS News outlet, was designed to ensure that nonprofit religious organizations will not be required to provide services, facilities, or goods for the celebration of same-sex marriage, nor will businesses lose the protection of religious liberties and conscience uh, protection available under the Constitution and federal law, including the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Although we're being told that, we have cases like that of Lori Smith. If you haven't heard of Lori, I would encourage you to do a little bit of research on what's happening in her case. Uh, We have an article here from Alliance Defending Freedom where she's receiving legal counsel. She is from Colorado. Now, that should not be a surprise to you who have been following what's been happening in Colorado. The uh, Colorado Human Rights uh, uh, Agency uh, was the one that sued Jack Phillips. Jack Phillips was a baker who serviced everyone, but he did not support every message with his cake designs, which was an expression of his artistic creativity. And uh, he said, while I service everyone, I cannot produce sexually explicit uh, cakes and designs and would not do one for a same-sex marriage wedding celebration. Uh, By the way, the Supreme Court ruled in his favor and actually condemned Colorado officials for what they said was acting in a way that was clear and impermissible hostility towards Jack's religious beliefs. In other words, Colorado so hated Jack's religious beliefs that he was condemned, that they were condemned by the U.S. Supreme Court for the way they treated him. Well, now, Lori Smith, who is the founder and uh, president of 303 Creative, which is a website uh, uh, company, designs websites, Lori is, is being her because the same agency is condemning her for not doing a website for a same-sex uh, 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 marriage that was designed to promote uh, to promote the uh, the same-sex marriage wedding, and um, and she decided not to do that. Now, here's the thing about Lori: she is okay servicing everyone, regardless of sexual background. She has no question about someone's sexual background when it comes to serving them. What she cannot do, though, she says is express all messages because of her deeply held religious convictions. Now, where many are nervous is that this court seems, like they did in the Jack Phillips case, to be very sympathetic to Lori's case. And uh, we we await their decision, and we're hoping that Lori, as well as other business owners who have deeply held religious convictions, can say, as an artist, the government should not be able to mandate to me the type of art that I do. Can you imagine the government being able to say to um, a public speaker that this is a topic you have to speak on and this is what you have to say? Well, no, I got to have the freedom of creativity to express myself as I desire. Can you imagine the government saying to a musician, this is the type of music you have to play? Can you imagine the government saying to a painter, this is the type of painting you have to paint? Well, so it is with Jack Phillips, a baker. The the government should not have right to say 
that you have to bake a cake that expresses a message that is in violation of your conscience or your religiously held beliefs. Nor should you as a web designer have to either. That's the case of Lori Smith. We're going to take our final break of the day. But as we do, I want you to check out our social media pages. We have articles there for you concerning this. Friends, I want to bring awareness to this. But when we come back, I want to land this plane, as always, do in the heart of the gospel and ask the question, how should we respond to this reality? The first is that we got to recognize it. We got to know that this is what's happening, that we have to be aware of what our kids are being taught in schools at an early age. We have to know what's happening in our culture around us. Then the second question is, how should we respond? We'll look at an article from our good friend Jim Dennison to give some guidance here. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. As the year comes to a close here at Equip, we've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for each one of you. Thankful for your listening. Thank you for your uh, faithfulness in uh, sharing and spreading the gospel. And thank you today for your financial support. We're praying that 10 friends can come around the program today, supporting the program at a gift of $100 or more by dialing 888-644-4144. That's 888 888- 644-4144. I want to say thanks to Norman from Calumet uh, Park, Illinois. Thank you for your gift. I want to say thanks to Michelle from Washington, uh, the state of Washington. Thank you for your gift. I want to say thanks to Paul from St. John, Indiana. Thanks for your gift and your partnership in the gospel. Um, Let me just say, Without your gifts and support, we can't do this program. So please stand with us today, and together we can impact the next generation with the good news of Jesus, 888-644-4144. My good friend Jim Dennison wrote an article that we have on our social media pages that uh, really speaks to how Christians should respond. And the first response that we should give to the coming reality of persecution is to recognize that it is consistent with what our Lord endured. The Apostle Paul states his aspiration in Philippians 3 and 10. He says this, that I may know uh, Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Paul understood that a relationship with Jesus meant the sharing in with his sufferings. He goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This is what the Bible states over and again. Jesus says in John 
16, 13, that in this world you will have tribulation. Now, I bring this up to say that we as the Western church have not had to prepare uh, ourselves or the next generation for persecution in previous uh, in previous generations. We have been so blessed to be a part of a nation that protected religious freedom, our faith in Christ, that we haven't had to really ask the question, what does it look like to be a religious minority group? What does it look like to be banned from the public square? What does it look like to be a target for a persecution? But the Bible speaks voluminously about it. So as Christians, we need to begin to prepare for that. And part of the way that we prepare is by teaching our children and reminding ourselves that everything that is legal is not moral, that there's a difference between legality and morality, that we must stand with the word of God even when it means standing against uh, the cultural morals of the day, even when it means disagreeing with broadly supported legislation. Listen, I'll remind you, there was a time when slavery was broadly supported in this country and was the law of the land. And yet we as Christians know the evil of slavery. We know, similarly, the evil of abortion. And we need to stand against uh, the sexual revolution as it seeks to indoctrinate our kids and endanger our culture. This doesn't mean that we stop loving people. As a matter of fact, we need to stand in uh, love for people. Bible tells us that we are to love our enemies, that we're to love those who strongly disagree with us, that we're supposed to bless those who persecute us, that we're supposed to pray for those who seek to do harm to us. And so that is my advice on how we should be responding. We should be praying for every legislator that votes in support of laws that will harm religious freedom. We should be uh, loving our neighbors who strongly disagree with us, while at the same time not backing up one iota from our convictions that are deeply held and based upon the Word of God. And we should be on the offense. And what I mean by that is not simply known for what we disagree with, but casting the beautiful vision of human flourishing that comes from the teachings of Jesus that when a man's ways are in line with the word of God, when a man or a woman trusts in the Lord, he will direct their paths, he will bless, and he will prosper. And I believe that in many ways, the blessing of our current moment is because of generations that have known that. And I pray for my family and yours that we will model that for them. And so I encourage you, be aware of the persecution around you, prepare for it, Know that as we share in the sufferings of Christ, we will also glory with him, love your neighbor, and declare to them the truth of the beauty of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, You can find out more about this on our social media pages. Go to Quip Radio on Facebook and Twitter. And if you can stand with us for the year in tax deductible gift, call now. 888-644-4144. And until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
Hey there, friends. Chris Brooks here. You know, as a pastor, I realize there are few things that grieve the heart of God more than spiritual abuse in the church. That's why I'm excited to talk to seminary president, Mike Kruger, who wisely tackles the causes of spiritual abuse. He helps us to know how to spot it and what to do about it. Don't miss this important edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.